can go ahead and turn with me if you want to to Hebrews chapter uh, 12. That's what we'll be this morning. But, you know, sometimes what we want is some comfort when what we really need is some courage. Sometimes what we want is some sympathy when what we really need is some strength. And sometimes what we really want, if we're honest, is somebody to feel sorry for us and kind of get in on our little pity party. But what we really need is someone to challenge us, challenge us and, and push us. Uh, what we want is a coach to say, oh, it's okay, just have a seat on the bench and, and you know, it'll be okay. And what we really need sometimes is a coach to say, no, the, the game's not over. Get back. I know you're tired, but, but finish this out. Or the analogy I've used the last couple of weeks, just because it, uh, it seems to fit in my mind, maybe it doesn't relate to you, is sometimes we want Mr. Rogers and an awesome sweater jacket saying everything's going to be okay, you know, and what we really need is William Wallace with a painted face and a strong voice. Maybe you don't need the painted face, but it might add to the ambiance a little bit uh, to say, don't give up, fight to the end, keep going. We are continuing in a series entitled Fixed. It comes from a key phrase in Hebrews chapter 12 as we've been walking through verses 1 through 3. But right in the middle of that, that section of verses, that passage, is the words, fix your eyes on Jesus, or however your translation says it. And so we're, we're calling it fixed, the, the whole point, fixing our eyes on Jesus. How do we go about doing that? Because in the, in the midst of what we're going through, whatever it is we may be facing, we need courage, we need strength, and so much of that comes from fixing our eyes on Jesus. And so we're just walking through this passage. How does that relate to that idea? And just walking through the passage in general and also through some bigger themes in the book of, of Hebrews. And we've talked about some of those the last couple of weeks. And one of those we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago is to remember the witnesses, right? We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And so remember what they've done, that they've gone before, that they've, that they've, uh, they've kept the faith, that they've persevered. Last week we talked about throwing off the weight, that we throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, so that, as we're going to talk about this morning, and we alluded to it last week, so that we can run the race. That's what we're going to talk about today, running the race. The Hebrew writer at the end of verse 1 says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so we're going to kind of dig into that passage this morning. And when it comes to running the race, I just want to give you four things. I kept your outline simple this morning. I want to give you four things that I think the Hebrew writer talks to us about when it comes to running the race. And the first one is this. It's very simple. Maybe you already figured it out. We run. We run. Now, for some of you, I just lost you for the rest of the, the, the morning because you, you hate running. You, you do not like running. If I were to ask you to raise your hand, the only, you know, some of you may not raise your hand because you say, I hate raising my hand. But how many of you hate running? You hate running. Look at her. She's just saying it right there. I do not like running. Um, maybe some of you relate to some of these memes that I found or kind of sayings about running. Um, one said, if you want to go running with me, you better be prepared to walk a lot. Maybe that, that fits you. Another one says, I used to hate running. I still hate running, but I also used to hate running too. So if you want to go with running with me, uh, I'm going to need some motivation like a clown waving a bloody knife and chasing me. Or I like this one a lot. If you see me running, call the police because it, something, something terrible 
uh, has happened. How many of you actually do like running? Anybody like running in here? Okay, a few of you. Um, I, I, I used to not like running because I grew up playing basketball, baseball, football, you know, sports like that. And I always viewed running as punishment because it was punishment. If we did something wrong, we had to run. And then I learned uh, and grew into running. I, I, I really enjoy it now. But whether or not you like to run and, and you know, physically run in real life is regardless of the fact that in this passage and in other passages, uh, but in this one in particular, the Hebrew writer compares the Christian race, the Christian life, to a, to a race, to a race that is to be run. And, and the point is not that whether or not you like to run, the, the point that he's making is this is a forward-moving, growing endeavor, right? When you think about running, it is something that is, A, it's intense, you're, you're doing, but you're moving forward. Um, you, you're, you're going somewhere. That's the whole point. You are moving forward in this race. And, and maybe you'd prefer another analogy, although if you start looking at some of the analogies of the Christian race, you probably, the running may be the, the one that you like the most, but I can tell you that nowhere in the Christian race is it portrayed as being a couch potato. Nowhere is the Christian life portrayed as someone who just kind of sits on the sidelines and is a spectator or a fan. It's never described as someone kind of watching everything that's going on, sitting idly by. This is not just some sit in my recliner or in my pew, as it happens to be, float through life kind of deal. This is active participation. It means that, that I get busy in my service to the Lord. I'm living for him. I'm growing in him. I'm, I'm in a race. I'm progressing. I'm growing. I'm, I'm moving forward. And so we don't walk. We don't stroll. We don't even jog or slog, as some people might call it. Um, we run. We run. Paul talks about this in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. In other words, another way of saying that, run in such a way as to win. Run in such a way as to win. Now, now Paul's point here, I know it's easy to see this and say, well, that means only one person wins, right? That's not Paul's point. Paul's point is, Run in such a way that you're running like a winner. How does the winner run, right? Run like a winner. And so for starters, a winner runs. The winner is running. If it's a race to be run, then it logically makes sense that the winner is someone who runs. But also the winner runs hard. He gives the race everything he has. I love what Paul, how he puts it in Romans chapter 12. He says, never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That's the way that we, we run the race. We run it with zeal. We run it with fervor. Now, I know that sounds like easy information, but the reality is that we've all gone in places, been in places where we're not running the race in those ways. And there's a reason why the Hebrew writer writes these, and we've talked about those first three verses, so that we do not grow weary and lose heart. And I'm sure they're not the only ones throughout history who have struggled with that. And so the, the Christian race is, is to be run. It's not, a, it's not a stroll in the park. It's a race to be run. And, and you see this theme throughout Scripture. I just give you a few. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, love the Lord your God with most of your heart, kind of some of your soul, 
a little bit of your strength, whatever you got left over, right? No, everything you've got. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus says, make every effort to enter into the narrow door. Every effort, you strive to do this. Or in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, a verse we've looked at over the past several months in a series on cumulative effect. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest and give up. In other words, if we keep running. The implication by saying, let us not become weary and don't give up, is to say, you keep running, you keep going, you keep striving. And you see this in after scripture, after scripture, you know, give it everything you've got. Make every effort, strive, move forward, run like a winner runs. Be done with half-heartedness and, and lukewarmness. You could go to the other side of that, you know. You've got so many scriptures that talk about go, go, go. You've got other scriptures that condemn, you know, just this lukewarm attitude when it comes to our faith. I feel like I always have to qu- qualify this a little bit. So I do always want to qualify, clarify, whatever the word is. You don't do it out of your own strength, okay? It's, it's not about how fast you can run out of your own strength. You strive, you make every effort, you run in the strength that God supplies, but you don't just sit on the sidelines. And this is not just a spectator sport. It's, it's not a spectator sport. It's not, you watch all the runners go by, cheering them on, sit on your recliner. That's good, it's good to cheer, but that's, it's his running, And running requires effort, and so does the Christian race. It requires effort. And so we are moving forward. We're growing. If you're not growing, then you're standing still. Some of you are like, well, that sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, it's meant to be. The word for race in this passage in in Hebrews chapter 12 is, is very similar to the word that we have in our English language, agony. Some of you, that's what I feel every time I run. Some of you get agonized just by watching other people run. But it's not meant to be comfortable. It's a race to be run. But it's worth it. We'll get to that in a minute. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So just make sure we're on the same page. He rewards those who half-heartedly seek him, He rewards those who who just happen to stumble across him and fit him into their schedule when when it works for them. No, he rewards those who earnestly, diligently, wholeheartedly seek after him. The point isn't, you know, what's the least I can do? You know, what can I get away with? What's the minimum requirement and still get to heaven? And one of the things that you'll hear runners say is they'll, they'll, they'll say something like, what's your PR? If you're not a runner, and I'm not claiming to be a runner, but some of you, like, what's your personal record? Nobody says, like, um, you know, what was your W? What was your personal worst, you know? How, how cruddy were you on that day? No, we give the, the maximum effort, right? You know why? Because he gave the maximum effort for us. He gave his all for us, and so we give our all for him. And so we, we run. Secondly, we, we run with perseverance. See, that's where it gets a little harder, right? Like I can, I can run from, you know, the, the house to maybe the road, 
but to keep running, or some of you, I can run from the couch to the refrigerator. I can do that. I can do that. It's a little bit harder when it, when it comes to, to running with perseverance. And this kind of takes us back to a lot of what we've talked about the last couple of, of weeks. It's all kind of interconnected. And so you think about remembering the witnesses. They, keep a, they help us to keep running. You, you, you look at their stories, and, and their races weren't easy. It wasn't some cakewalk that they had and didn't really have to, to, to overcome any struggles or obstacles or challenges. No, they had to push through some things. They had to keep going in the midst of difficult circumstances. They had to keep running. They had to keep persevering. You think about these early Christians whom the Hebrew writer is writing to. They're they're kind of struggling with this decision of, am I going to keep running the race or not? Am I going to keep following Jesus or not? Because for them, persecution is coming. For some of them, they're already dealing with it. For many of them, most of them, if they're going to follow on this race, persecution is coming. Now, just to clarify, I think sometimes in our 21st century American eyes, we kind of get persecution confused. This is, when I say persecution, I don't mean like someone said something unkind to you because you're a Christian. I don't mean that someone put a nasty Facebook post or or tweeted something out that kind of, bash Christians a little bit. I'm not saying those things are good, but that's not the kind of persecution I'm talking about. Like death is on the table. Torture, imprisonment, those things are a very real possibility. I think for, for us, sometimes it's hard. For them to run the race, to fix their eyes on Jesus, it really is a life or death situation. That's a life or death decision. You and I, we don't really feel that tension. And I'm not always sure that's a, a good thing either, by the way. And there's certainly some things going on in our country and in our world that, that, that should concern us as Christians. But the point is that for most of us, it's not really a life, to, life or death decision. It was for them. And so that's why again and again, the Hebrew writer drives home the point that Jesus is better. Jesus is bigger and better than anything that you're going through. He's worth it. And so you read in passages, we read this last week, but in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. For starters, I feel like this is kind of aimed at us. Like I, I feel this is aimed at me. And just to clarify Getting a paper cut, pulling out your bulletin from your purse does not, con- it's not shedding your blood, okay? That, that does not count. Like, we, we don't feel that tension. And, and for them, Jesus, the Hebrew writer is saying, if and when it comes to that, and even if it doesn't, but if and when it does, that if you realize that Jesus is better, even if it comes to shedding your blood, then you can run the race with perseverance. And the same is true for us. No matter what obstacles we may face, we can run the race with perseverance. And so you, you think about some of these heroes of the faith that we see listed in Hebrews 11. I, I think about Noah, who, who God tells him to build an ark, and he just keeps building. He doesn't, you know, 50, 75 years, I don't know how long it took, but at least that long. He never even seen more than some showers, and yet he just keeps building. Or, or I think about Abraham, who God tells him to pack up and go. The U-Haul's in the driveway. Where am I going? I don't know. I'm not te- I know. God knows. I'm not telling you, though. 
and, and Abraham just keeps going. Or when he tells Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, and, and Abraham doesn't know how God's going to work it out, but he keeps, he keeps walking up Mount Moriah. Or I, I think about somebody like Joseph, who he just keeps persevering. He, and, and it seems like time after time, he keeps getting the raw end of the deal over and over and over again, but he just keeps trusting that God has a greater plan. They kept running. They kept going. And listen to what the Hebrew writer says in verses 35 through 38. He says, there were others, just when you think, and I'm, I'm not, don't hear this as me belittling what you're going through. But when you go through what you're going through, maybe it's good to be reminded of passages like this. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Just play that in your mind again. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. And you just have to ask yourself, why? Why would they do that? Why, why would you put yourself through that? Because they recognized that the prize was worth the persecution. They recognized that the race was worth the reward. And I guess the question I have for us is, do we? Because it's really hard. It's not life or death for us. It was for them. And sometimes, you know, if, if it's below, like, if it's not in the, I'll check my phone, and I've gotten, I've really struggled, but on the phone, the weather app has a, like, uh, it'll give you a, between one and 10 of how good of a running conditions it is. I've gotten to the point where if it's like a, not a 10, then it's just, it's just too much. You know, it's a nine, but that's too much. There's a little bit of pollen in the air. And for us, it's sometimes because we're not challenged enough, it's not a life or death decision, at least that we see. Sometimes it's just easy to, to not run as hard and to not run with perseverance. You go back to what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, run in such a way as to win the prize. I've talked to several people who, part of the reason why they don't run, like running is they don't see the point. Like, what's the point? Well, then we got to change our focus, right? Because if my kid's in trouble, whether or not I like running or not, I bet you I'm going to run. Or for some of you, like if there's a, a donut at the end of the rainbow. You, maybe I'm a little more likely to run. And I'll, and I'll feel a little less bad for eating the donut because I just ran to get it, you know? Does that make sense? Because there's a prize at the end, it makes running the race a lot easier. And so that's part of the, the, the game is, again, fixing our eyes on Jesus. There's a prize at the end. Jesus is the prize. Heaven is the prize. And he's worth it. And it is worth it. And everything else pales in comparison to him. That's why, again, all this is interconnected. That's why we throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. First of all, so that we can run the race, right? Because it's hard to run a race. It's hard to keep going when you've got these things weighing you down, holding you back. We talked about this little by little. You know, they're going to weigh you down and eventually they're going to crush you. But we also throw those things off. The point is not just to run the race. The point is to win the prize at the end of the race, right? Because look, 
this is all good and well, and, and, and there's a lot of stuff that, that makes sense as far as living this out. But I can tell you, if the prize weren't Jesus in heaven at the end of the race, what's the point of running the race? Does that make sense? And, and so we, we throw off all this other stuff so that we can run the race so that we can win the prize. I, I've said this before, and I'll, I'll say it again. I, I believe this with all my heart. I think one of the most underrated Christian characteristics is perseverance. I think it's one of the most underrated, and I I think it's one of the most outdated in our society. Because we, we just don't stick with anything. I'm not saying you in particular, but in our culture and in our world, in our relationships, in our jobs, in our friendships, and God says, we, we run. I've called you to run with perseverance. James 1 verses 2 and 4 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that, listen to this, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance has to run its course before you can be mature and complete. That's not just some pie in the sky, you know, hope against hope kind of thinking. This, this is truth. This is reality. Here's, here's the reality. Faith isn't really faith unless it's tested. You and I can come in here every single week and we can sing songs and, and, and we can profess that we believe, but until the rubber meets the road, so to speak, which is a good analogy, I guess, when you think about rubber soles and running, then it's not really faith. Faith isn't faith until it's tested. And when it is tested, you see what your faith is made of. And, and usually it works one of two ways. Um, either it gets choked out or it gets strengthened. You see, every time you overcome one of those obstacles and you persevere, it only strengthens your faith. You push through and God gives you the strength to keep pushing through. And look, here's the deal in the end. I thought of a nicer way to say this, but I can't think of a better way. You don't get the prize unless you finish. That's just the reality. And you're here today, and, 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 and many of you, most of you are, are Christians, and so you've started. You, you've started the race. You've given your life to Jesus Christ. And I'm glad you've started, but if you don't finish, you don't get the prize. I, I don't say that to scare you. I don't say that to be mean. I say that to encourage you to keep running. The, the, there is a finish line but you don't get the prize unless you finish in him. And so run the race with perseverance. Third, we run together. We run together. Part of running the race with perseverance is running together. I've probably said this before, but I, I love this quote. Someone once said, if you want to run fast, run alone. If you want to run far, run together. I love that. If you want to run fast, run alone. Because you don't have anybody you know, to, to slow you down, you got to keep pace with it. If you want to run fast, run alone. If you want to run far, you run together. You and I were created for fellowship, for relationship, for community, 
just go back to the very beginning, it seems kind of elemental, but in Genesis chapter 1, it says God created man in his image, woman as well. We're created in the image of God, and part of being created in the image of God is God's triune nature, God's God's relational nature with himself. And I don't want to get into the, the Trinity and the Godhead, but you know, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are they, they fellowship. There's relationship. There's unity. And certainly the primary relationship that you and I were created for is our relationship with God. But also we were created for relationship with each other. I think about a passage in Ecclesiastes that said two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, I love this, one can help the other up. You know, you fall down, you don't have life alert, I can't get up. You got somebody there with you. And so two are better than one. One of the primary points of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is that God created and hardwired you for community. In fact, you were actually designed to require it. It's not simply, oh, it's a little add-on to your life. No, Scripture tells us, which shouldn't surprise you, God knew from the very beginning, but also research shows us that, that if you starve yourself of community and relationships and fellowships, that you will die. You will, you will die emotionally. Which, by the way, in case you were wondering, does not make a good recipe for running the race. It's hard to run when you're dead. So we need each other. We need each other on this race. When I first started running, and when I say running, I use that term loosely. I don't want you to think like I'm, and some of you are like, yeah, we already know you're not that good of a runner. But just, I'm not trying to brag on myself. Although I did read one article that said that um, runners can be kind of precocious and, and brag on themselves. So I'm not trying, I'm just trying to paint the picture here. Um, but when, when I started running, uh, I ran pretty much primarily by myself, mainly because I didn't want anyone to see how slow I was. See, there's some self-deprecation. So, um, but, but as I started running more and more, a few months into it, one of Marcy's uh, cousins, uh, she was recovering from a brain tumor. And so she asked me to run with her and her dad. She asked me to run a 10K, which is 6.2 miles. I never ran 6.2 miles. Trail race. I never ran either, any of those. But I decided to run. And what I found out is that I, I completed 6.2 miles. Now, I'll tell you, I was dead afterwards. I felt like my legs had been shredded. Um, but I found out I could run a lot further than I thought when I was running with other people. The other thing that I, I think about is the last couple of years, Marcy and several of her cousins uh, have decided to run in a race over in Richland. It's for a really good cause. And, and so we, there's like 20 of us that ran in a 5K together. And we didn't all run like in the same pack um, because it was all the way from like five years old to like, you know, 45, something like that. But, but we all kind of ran in packs. And one thing I found out is that you can run a lot further when you're running with family. Isn't that true? You just run a lot further when you're running, you're, you're, you're going together as a family. And that's what the Christian life is supposed to be like. We run together because when we run together, we can run so much further and longer. We can encourage each other. We can challenge each other. We can 
you know, we can hold each other up and pick each other up because let's just be honest. Like it's a lot easier. Some of you, have you ever tried going out running and, and you're by yourself? You know what's really easy to do when you're by yourself? Quit. Right? I mean, you can tell people you ran. You don't have to. They may know by the, you know, the, the glaze on your chin that you maybe didn't go running, but, um, but you, it's easy to quit. But when you have others there supporting you, it's easy to keep going and to keep running and to keep pushing through. And so, again, we remember the witnesses, right? We look back at, at, at all of the on before, and I love the, the, the analogy of you have a cheering section. I saw that when I was studying a couple of weeks ago. You have a cheer. How cool is that? Think about it. You have a cheering section. Some of you played sports. There is nothing like hearing your name. Now, you get to be a teenager and you don't always love hearing mom and dad scream out your name. But when, when you're young and you, man, there's nothing like that. Nothing like that. You have a cheering section. But, but also as a church, we're, we're cheering each other on and we're, we're encouraging each other on this race together. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 says, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. As long as it's today, you need to encourage each other. When it's tomorrow, it'll be today. So you encourage each other tomorrow so that none of you may be burdened or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And then Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, let us spur one another. It's not always, it's, sometimes it's challenging, but what is, let us motivate, let us spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. Why? Because you need it and I need it. As some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We have a responsibility to, e- to each other. And by encouraging each other and challenging each other, we help each other run the race with perseverance. Speaking of, of helping each other, I'd be remiss if I didn't include one more relationship um, that helps us in this, especially since Marcy and I celebrated uh, our 17th year of, of uh, marriage yesterday. Uh, I know Dan and Pat, what did you say, 46 years today, their anniversaries today. Um, so happy anniversary to them. But I, I, I came across that says why couples shouldn't run together. And it was actually quite funny and true uh, if you want to look it up. It's, it, there's some really good points on why you shouldn't like actually run together. But let me tell you this, that, that does not apply when it comes to the Christian race. You know, one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful impacts on your Christian race is from your spouse, your husband or your wife. And I can't imagine where I would be on my Christian walk if it were not for my wife. Passage in Proverbs 31 talks about a, you know, an excellent wife. And it's kind of this almost unattainable picture. But, but one of the pictures is that an excellent wife is, far, is worth far more than jewels. And I'm not just saying this because she's not here, although you can tell her all you want to if you want. Um, but I found that to be so very true in my life. Now, I also want you to hear what I, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if you don't have that, then you are less than. And and some of you are, maybe you've lost a spouse or your spouse is not faithful and and it's a struggle. And sometimes um, 
But I just want to underscore the importance and the value of what a husband and wife pulling together can do, running together can do. But let me also say this. Even if you don't have that for whatever reason, I hope you know you have a church family who's pulling together with you. We are all in this together. And we want to love on you and we want to support you and we want to encourage you and we want to challenge you. We are, you were not meant to run this race alone. Some of you are trying to run it alone. You're trying to do life in general alone and you weren't meant to. We need each other. It doesn't say let you. It doesn't say you do this by yourself, run this race alone. It says let us run this race. It's not solo, it is together. And, and, and there may be times where you feel lonely, but I hope you know that you're not alone. You have a cloud of witnesses who've gone before and are cheering you on and you've got a church family who are running with you and encouraging you to keep running and don't give up. And then lastly, we run our race. Or you run your race. Certainly we run together, but we each have a race that we are to run. It's not, it's not someone else's race that, that they can run it for you. It is a race that only you can, people can help you. You know, I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure my kids start the race, run the race, finish the race, but I can't run it for them. It's a race only they can run. And I'm gonna do everything I can to help my wife. She's already started the race, run the race and finish the race, but I can't do it for her. That's a race she's gotta run. And, and, and there's an aspect certainly where th- this larger picture of the Christian race that we're all called to run, chasing after Jesus, trusting in him, obeying him, living out what he's called us to do. But there's also an aspect where God has a specific purpose and plan for your life. He's got a course, a race that he's called you to run. You know, if you look at running very much, one of the things that you'll, you'll find in a normal race is runners will talk about running your race. You got to run your race. And so certainly you're aware of what's going on around you, right? You know, if, especially if you're in a marathon, which that's kind of the picture here. It's, a, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. This was a lot that can happen in 26 miles. And so you're, you're certainly aware. But when you start looking around and focusing on what everybody else is doing, what all the runners are doing, what's the pace, you know, and what happens when you focus too much on that instead of running your race is that you, you get out of what you do. You, you do things that are outside of yourself and outside of what you've trained to do. And, and I, I think there's a lot of similarities in the Christian race. So often we want to look around and we end up comparing our course to people, other people's course. And so we ask questions like, why me? Like, why do I have to run this course and they get to run that course? Why, am I, why do I feel like I'm having to run uphill and everybody else is running downhill? You know, why are there so many obstacles on my race? Why are they up here and I'm back here? And look, no matter what you're facing or what you're going through, if the race that you're on leads you to Jesus, now, now, let me be clear, there is one way, one truth, one life. But if the course that, G, that God has you on leads you to Jesus, then you're on the right course. 
And, and it may not be the path that you would choose. It may not be the path that you want. But if it leads you to him, then it's the right path. I was reading a story about a young man named Hunter. Hunter was 16 years old. And he wanted to be baptized. And so Hunter was baptized when he was 16 years old. Uh, thing about Hunter is Hunter had a rare form of brain cancer. Hunter was baptized two days before a, a, a surgery that he was supposed to have. Two days, baptized, two days later, had the surgery. Complications happened in the surgery, and Hunter ended up passing away. Baptized two days before. Now you say, would Hunter's family and Hunter himself have chosen that course? Probably not. Would you choose cancer for your kid? Would you choose cancer for yourself? But then the other side of that is they got the finish they desired, right? I mean, in the end, they got the, it's not the the course they would have chosen, but they got the finish they desired. And the race you're on may not always be easy, but there is peace in knowing the finish line. Many of you know, Marcy and I's struggles with, um, and I'm not going to get into all of them, with, you know, infertility and, and adoption. And um, we struggled with infertility, and, and then we went through the adoption process. And we actually had two failed adoptions. We brought one little girl home, had her for about three weeks, and birth mother changed her mind. So we had to give her back. And then there were some complications with Maylie's adoption that kind of just jumping through hoops. So, yeah, I don't want to go through all of it. And Marcy and I always said that we wanted to adopt, um, but that we did not, that's not how we planned it out, right? And so like, if I'm just going to be honest with you, at the beginning of that, if you'd have told me this, this is what the course is going to look like, I would not have chosen it. Why? Why would I choose to do that? And I'm not saying that what we've had to go through is, is worse than you or whatever. I mean, we've all got our things. I'm just like, this is what we had to go through. And, and so I, we wouldn't have chosen it. But let me also say this, that knowing what I know now, I choose it every time. For one, I have two of the most amazing kids in the world. No, I have the two most amazing kids in the world. I'm biased, but your kids are awesome. They're just not the most awesome. That's okay. But also, it, it brought us to a place in our marriage that I, I'm not sure we'd be at. And even more than that, it brought us to a trust and a faith in Jesus Christ that I know we wouldn't be at. Because it, it reminded us that he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And, and he, his way is better because he is better. And so you can trust him. One of my favorite verses is in Proverbs chapter 16, 9. It's not my favorite because I always like it, but it's, I just, it's not even my favorite per se, but it's one of my favorites. Not because I like it, but because it just, it's so true and it reminds me over and over who's in control. It's very simple. I'll read you the version that I know in my brain. In his heart, a man plans his course. <laughs> Sound familiar? But the Lord determines his steps. You see, all of us have a course for our lives. And if we're honest, most of the time that doesn't involve hard things. But the God who created you and the God who loves you 
is the same one who marked out the race for you. And it may not always be easy, but he will give you the strength to run with perseverance. And if you follow his course, it will always lead to him. And ultimately, when we grow weary and we lose heart, running the race that's marked out for us, we need to remember the race that's marked out for Jesus. He endured the cross. I mean, even Jesus didn't get to, to run the course he won per se. But he followed the course that his father had set before him, and he did it for you, and he did it for me. And he did it so that at the end of our race, we might be able to say with the Apostle Paul, one of my favorite passages, I have fought the, the fight, I've finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And so we look forward to the day, one day when Jesus will say, whether that be when you, when your time on this earth is over or when Jesus comes again, we look forward to the day when he will say, well done, good and faithful servant, right? And we look forward to that day, but we're not there yet. And so in the meantime, may it be said of us, may it simply be said of us, we run.